You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Steve Lamb, L-A-M-B, just like sheep. Uh, the Lamb of God that doesn't take away your sins. But, uh, but I will point you to the one that does. And, uh, and I've known Pastor for about two or three years and uh, have just really fallen in love with him and, and this church. I've been here a little over a year. Never would have found this home I knew of the church, but I probably never would have found it if it wasn't for the uh, faithful crew that is bringing it to us online. And um, while I was being faithful with some of the other duties in other church that I had been to and in uh, and, and much prayer. And uh, I, I truly love our pastor dearly, and I know everyone in this house is aware of what a what a gem he and Pastor Pam are. So, from where I stand tonight, within three or four hours, I can be to some of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. If trees are my thing, I can see the world's tallest tree. I can drive a mountain road, two-lane highway, straight down the middle of some redwoods and some sequoias. I can go to another direction and see beautiful Lake Tahoe, from which when you're there, you, you hear people constantly speaking another language because there's so many people from Europe because it's so well-known and it's so beautiful. And you could be there in the wintertime and it's beautiful, or you can be there at nighttime. I travel up to Tahoe a lot for work. I have for over 30 years now. And you can be there with, with, with the uh, full moon and, and the trees have fresh snow. And if you're a photo- great photographer... <clears throat> which I'm not, you, you can have some amazing pics of just beautiful things. You go in another direction, and you can find yourself in Yosemite. And in Yosemite, you can look at Half Dome if you appreciate that, the, the, the valley. You can see it, it, the natural phenomenon at, at certain times of the year. It takes place about two weeks, about a half an hour. And I have a picture of this, which one of my coworkers got a picture of it, it's, uh, and people come from all over to take picture of the firefalls. It's a natural phenomenon, and it's just beautiful. It looks like it's touched up. It's like, how did you do that? It's like, and just beautiful. And if you don't like that, you want to go to the coast, then there you go. You got the sea cliffs and just a beautiful two-lane highway. And picture yourself at any one of those places, all arrayed in splendor on the most beautiful day. You like 70 degrees, no wind? Great. You want your spouse's hair to blow? Okay, 15 mile an hour wind, there you go. (laughs) Top it off. Or if you got the convertible, you don't need that wind, that breeze. But all these things, as beautiful as they are, not a single one compares to the beauty and the splendor of the body of Christ. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, teacher, they are tools to equip the members of the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. And the body of Christ, when it's operating the way that God intended it to, it is so beautiful that all these other things don't compare. Things that people traveled the world to arrive to this Northern California beautiful place that we have. And none of them compare. 
Not one bit. You place all that on one side of the scales, the balance scales that you see in an attorney's office, and you place one part of the body of Christ, and that scale drops. Because the body of Christ has such value and beauty. I think of the song. We are, I'm not going to sing it too much, but so don't worry. In the army of the Lord. We've been washed in the blood and we are going forth. And the next phrase, if I, get, if I got it right, there is nothing that can stop this mighty moving force. The blood bought, the church, the redeemed. Oh, I love the body of Christ. It's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And maybe your favorite picture would be something of Tahoe because maybe you got married in Tahoe or you had some great vacations in Tahoe. And so maybe you have a precious value picture in your living room or in your hallway. Not in the hallway because it's valued. It might get bumped when the grandkids are over or when the kids are over. Or you can wrestle when your kids are playing last hit at night, you know, running down the hall. Boom, there it goes. No, so you have it in a precious value protected place. But you and I are the glory of the Lord here on the earth. When people are touched by God's glory, it's going to be through the body of Christ. Amen? And the same way that that beautiful picture, you have a tremendous value on it, it's because not just how pretty it is, but it's what it represents. Even if you aren't in that picture, but maybe it's the rock and, 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 and the lake that, that you have all these treasured memories. Well, you know what the body of Christ represents? It's pretty easy to figure out. <laughs> that translation is, it is, the glorious body of Jesus Christ. If a room with 100 pianos in it are all tuned to the same fork, are they not all in sync? And so are you and I, as we are in the body of Christ. Amen. I want to have somebody stand up, a couple. It's been on my heart ever since the pastor asked me to preach. It was like, as soon as I got the message, then boom, it was just ran right together. And that's Aaron and Graciela. What's that? Could I have, could I have you stand up? And I, and I don't mean to embarrass you. If you that embarrass you, I, I, then, I, then I won't. It's like, now we, we talked approximately a year ago at the Connect meeting, right? So, and really we haven't talked since, but you were just on my heart. 
And I want to say, there's, there's a phrase before I, wanna, before I pray for you, which if I could get you to come forward as well. I know I, I did that one step. It's like... <laughs> And, and listen to the, the words of this carefully. No victory will come to your house through an independent thought, voice, or action. No victory will come to your house through an independent thought, voice, or action. And so now I can take that, that, that's, that that's the phrase whether that applies to you as a husband and wife, I don't know, or kids involved. But I believe by your response, I mean, I already knew it was from the Lord, but I believe that there's no question about what that means to you. And the good news is, just by the, a little bit of deductive reasoning with the peace of God following with it, we all know as the body of Christ, because everybody here is pulling for you, it's like, they're pulling for me too, especially Pastor and Pastor Pam. They're like, oh my goodness, look at him. You know, it's like, but they're, everybody's pulling for you. And so that's what we're taking. We're taking advantage and joining together with the corporate anointing. Amen? And so I want to pray for you. And I, I don't remember even if we, we talked about work, what you do, but I, you know, three months or so ago, I, I was praying for you and I just, I just felt... Your work situation, just kept praying. But I want you, if you could just stand over here and, and hold hands. Because God is visiting your house this day. There's going to be a shift. And you stay right there. Okay. Does anybody remember what, what uh, it's a security device now. But there's a thing in the, in the cars, it's called a stick shift, right? Right? Okay. Anybody have one of those? Anybody here drive a stick? You both? You have one car in the family with the stick? No, I've got four cars. All my sons drive the stick. I don't Okay, amen. See, so, so they'll be able to steal any? No, I'm just kidding. So, you ever see somebody driving a stick, especially if they're not that good at it? Right? Right? Which I worked with youth for 20 years, so I taught quite a few of the youth besides my three daughters. Man, that's a faith thing. I tell you, man. It's like, but you see somebody going down the road. And there's a reason I'm having you, you stand here for this, because the anointing is just loving on you guys, because God is visiting you this day, okay? Forget that it's the fact that it's an in-house speaker, okay? Because if an out-house speaker comes, he, he might say the same thing. So anyway, uh, yeah, some of you caught that. Thank you. Uh, but you see that stick shift car, and it just, boom, boom. It just ain't smooth, you know? And sometimes it'll literally hop through the intersection. You know, one person, I was in the middle of the intersection, my WRX. Why I let a 16-year-old drive my Subaru WRX? Oh my, I do not know why. But I'm, I'm running around, you know, it, it's switching places in the middle of the intersection. Say, this is not a good thing here, Chris. <laughs> we're we're going to make it through this. Glory to God. Never ended up on the lawn. But that shift that the reason you see that surge is because there's power. There's power coming. There's power coming. And power at work in your life is going to be, it comes as a spiritual power, but it also comes mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, and financially. And if something is, some, if a plane leaves Sydney, Australia, 
and it's going to SFO, San Francisco, and it's one degree off. It's 65 miles off course whenever it arrives. When, when God's looking for me, I don't want to be 65 miles off. And that plane, when, when it lands, if it's more than a few feet off, you know, we, we all know it's kind of a rough landing, <laughs> much less 65. So I just want to pray and just believe God to, the power of God to, to be at work and, and do a work in you. I, I already know that just, just what I felt in my heart, I, I just, I love you guys. Don't even really know you that well because you sit over here. You know? <laughs> Not that I know everybody in my section, you know. It's like, for those of you watching online, don't know I'm ushering that section over there. But I just love you guys. And God loves you and really wants to visit your house and see a marked difference, a shift. Like in Acts 3.19, whenever it talks about, it says repent. But it, it really, you look at it, and, and the, I like the Amplified and some of the other versions, it talks about a shift, really is what it is. You know, it, it's a shift. It, it doesn't mean you're involved in gross sin. It just means a shift. And it's like, you know, no matter what, every relationship needs to be fine-tuned. It needs to be fine-tuned in everything for that power that God wants to pour out on you. Just make those whatever adjustments they are. And that power, hallelujah. Father, first of all, just let me pray, pray for you. Father God, I pray that you bless Aaron's hands. God bless his job situation. I don't know what he does, but if he uses his hands on the job, Father, I pray that you would just make them anointed, 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 Lord. And I pray that the power of God would be at work in him. And if you'd both lift your hands, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you'd pour out your spirit, Lord, your power, your power to live richly at work in their lives, Father God, to make a change and just bless them, Lord. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you guys. Thank you. Hallelujah. I know sometimes people will say, oh, the, the last days, God's doing a different work. Well, you know, I don't want to be around if there's a day that, quote, unquote, God is not moving through the body of Christ. <laughs> They're going to have some great home group. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Me, you guys are faithful. You guys are faithful. And it's like, me, I want to be faithful to the house of God. Amen. About a month ago, I was visiting a friend, and a good friend, in Vegas. And I had basically just about a, a day. I was like, I didn't want to drive. So I left Stockton about noon. I was supposed to land about 9 p.m. Okay? Nine hours, right? So I was like, okay. I haven't done a lot of traveling in my lifetime, but I knew enough that I don't, since it's just day, don't, don't take any check on luggage, just your carry-on. And don't, don't go through Burbank, don't go through LAX. Uh, 
you know, because I could have got a couple bucks cheaper, but I'm like, no, I just, it's a 55 minute flight and the weather was good. I mean, if you call 115 degrees in Vegas when you step off the plane, good. But it's better than storming, you know, when you're, when you're in, the, in the big bird. And so, so I was like, what could go wrong, right? So we're leaving 8 p.m., right? 8 p.m., Vegas, it's a 55-minute flight, depending on your tailwind. And uh, three, three announcements later by the pilot all of which started with bad news, more bad news, and more bad news, and 19 hours later, I landed in Stockton. But at 3 a.m., I am in LAX. Now, Grant, I, I, just in case anybody knows the flight pattern, the flight company, they compensated well, they did. But you don't want to know that. You, you, know, you, just, you just want to get there. But of those three announcements, I think the one that concerned the other 170 passengers the most was the phrase, low on fuel. And you can imagine we had a, little, some, a few choice words here and there. But at 3 a.m., it was so surreal. This, the, the, the terminal is just huge. And anything big like Costco, you go to Costco, you, have you ever been to where, some of you that work in warehouses, maybe you moved warehouses, and I don't know how many, I, I'm not that familiar with square footage of some warehouses, but they're just huge. And you take all the people and all the things out, and they're just he, bigger, they're huger, you know, they're ginormous, right? So I'm there at three o'clock in the morning, and there's literally only about a handful of people that didn't have check. Uh, their baggage checked in. All the other people that went to pick up their baggage, they couldn't luggage. They couldn't get back to where I and a handful of other people were. We're trying to sleep, but they don't have it comfortable. This, that, and I mean, it's just empty. And I am looking around. I'm like, and I'm thinking, how? How did I get here? <laughs> Second question is, how long have I been here? And two, how do I get to where I'm going? Because I'm not sure exactly the whole plan, but I thought I had done everything I could so that I wouldn't be in LAX. But it was so, so huge and empty. I mean, but sometimes in life, in the airport terminal of life, we may find we are asking the same questions. How did I get here? How long have I been here? And where am I going? How did my finances get like this? How did this relationship, how did my marriage get the way it is? And I want to say, what happens now determines what happens next. And that has a twofold application. What happens now in our life, it's obvious, that's taken us, it's, it's going to take us somewhere. But there's also a, an application for service. When the anointing come, of God comes in and it's time to take ground, what happens now determines what will happen next. And that's why I'm, I'm so glad to be in the, the house that, that I'm in. Opportunity comes to us all, but success comes when opportunity and preparation meet. You can turn to Judges chapter 6. 
Inheritant, and excuse me, inherent in being ready for the opportunity comes the ability to recognize the opportunity. If you don't recognize, if you're not ready for the opportunity, you will not recognize the opportunity. David's brothers did not see Goliath as an opportunity. Judges chapter six. Judges chapter six through eight is is, uh, Gideon in referencing his great battles. In verse two. Six and two, and the hand of Midian prevailed, I'll be reading out of the New King James, against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains, and to this day. Jumping down to verse five, for they would come up, they being the Midianites and the Malachites, would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Jumping down to verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and said unto the terebinth tree. So this is a messenger. It's an angel of the Lord. Which was in Oprah, uh, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. And threshing wheat in the wine press would be like, that's where the Midianites and the Malachites going to be. He's over here, hidden. He's hidden, you know, and, and, and harvesting his crop so that, so that no, should they come and visit, he's not going to be seen. In order to hide it from the Midianites, verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He looked like a mighty man of valor. But God is speaking his future. Amen. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us, saying, did you not, did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? That paraphrase of that is, Lord, we've been losing a long, long time. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Knox translation says, you shall defeat the Midianites as though but one man stood in thy path. And then we know what happens in chapter 7. That is the paring down of the, of the uh, well, first it's the anointing coming on uh, in, in ver- ch- uh, chapter 6, verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew the trumpet and, and Abia's rites gathered behind him. And so that's where we see the 32,000 coming together. Through that one miracle, through that one miracle, the anointing came on him. And in a moment, even though he wasn't the leader of anything, 
there was 32,000 troops behind him. And then in, in chapter 7, we see the paring down, which most, most of us are quite familiar with that. You know, it starts out 4 to 1. It goes to 13 to 1. Next thing you know, it's 450 to 1. And I'm going to pick it up in chapter 8, verse 4. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and his 300 men who were with him crossed over exhausted. And you look that up, you know, it, it just means just drained, drained, drained. Just nothing left, but still in pursuit. Exhausted, but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, the town that they came through, please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. There were two kings and 15,000 of their troops had escaped. And the leaders of Succoth said, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand that we should give bread to your army? I'd say he's being disrespected right there, huh? I think that Succoth, that the town is, they're betting on the kings winning this battle. So Gideon said, for this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into your hand, into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he spoke, went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. So he spoke to the men of Penuel saying, when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were at Karkor and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who are left of the army of the people of the east. For 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in tents on the east of Noba and Jobaha, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them, and he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the whole army. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle from the ascent of Harry's, and he caught a young man of the men of Succoth and interrogated him. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth and its elders, 77 men. You know, this is, this is not, you know, the go stand in the corner, you know, and, until you're ready to tell me. This is a little more Jason Bourne or Conor McGregor style of interrogating that we have, you know. Then he came to the men of Succoth and said, here are Zeba and Zalmunna. Here are those kings. <laughs> here are those kings. about whom you ridiculed me, saying, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your weary men. And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. So is that the same Gideon you know, and I get it. I get it. If you've been losing a long, long time, you, you, you want, your, you, want your, you know, your meal for the next three days, three weeks, whatever. You, you're going to hide it. Zeba, King Zeba, and King Zalmunna. What happened? And the principle, these things in the Old Testament are written as examples for us. The corporate anointing, when the anointing comes into a service, we are to take extra ground the same way that 
Gideon did. You don't just say, oh, okay, this is all cool. No, you get as much ground as you can. Because God is going to have his day of reckoning with what the enemy has attempted to do and trying to stop this mighty moving force. But he will not have the victory. The enemy will not have the last word. I mean, I can see Gideon sitting with, you know, whether it's a week or a decade later, I don't know. But he's with Purah, which was his servant that he went to the camp with and heard the dream, which gave him faith. And maybe he's with another warrior. He says, you know, I just want to say thanks, guys, for being with me in that campaign. He goes, can you believe we, pers- we pursued, we, 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 we ran. We ran for 150 miles. 150 miles. He goes, I, 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 I don't know. Just to be frank with you guys, I couldn't see straight. I couldn't see straight. I didn't know if I, didn't know if I would make it. I didn't know if I would make it, but... Just as I continued, I just felt the strength of the Lord, the strength of the Lord sustaining me. I knew I could not quit because I knew this was an opportunity of a lifetime, an unsurpassed opportunity, an anointing like never before. You, nobody, nobody had seen 32,000 people raised up that quick. Nobody had seen 300 rout an army of 120 and then 15 after chasing them another 150 miles. Nobody had seen that. But the anointing was so strong. And I knew it was there. I knew I couldn't give up. I knew we had to just do it a little bit longer. Sometimes we feel like there are seasons in our life which have brought about so little results. We've gained so little ground. But I believe oftentimes we have learned more than we think in those times. It is during those times that prepare us for what is before us. I don't have time to go there. But Queen Esther, such a time as this. Those unsuccessful experiences Prepare us and guide us towards fulfilling the assignment he has for our life. All the cars I've driven, owned, rented, the taxis I've been in, the Ubers, they all had a much bigger windshield than they did a rearview mirror. Nary one <laughs> had a larger rearview mirror. Without exception, in life, learn the lesson, forget the details. Isaiah 43. Oops, almost a 53. Isaiah 43, and beginning in Verse 18. Do not remember the former things, 
nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing now, and it shall spring forth. Even the great Tarzan made no forward progress until he let go of the last vine. There's a music composer and conductor, and he speaks of, in his, one of his motivational master's class, he speaks of, gear up, prepare. Prepare, because you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But you've got to be prepared. And so he encourages them. He says, because you never know when it's going to be your last performance. And you step out after performing, you step out the hall and it's 11 p.m. at night. And somebody was drinking a little bit too much. And that bus driver that had was sipping and he, he hits you and takes you out. And people will say, oh, that, but wasn't he a great cellist? Wasn't that a beautiful performance? That one performance. They will speak of how great it was. And so it is in our life, in our preparation. It's like of those things which are before us. That focus which we are to have. Joshua 14 and verse 7. Before I read this, I want to say, you know, I, I, have, I have timed out from being the best. I, I've aged out from being the best cyclist I'm ever going to be. Okay. I used to race. I think we've all aged out of things, certain things in our life. Amen. I've aged out of being a, a competitive uh, chess player as well. It's like glad that I could still play. But I, but I want to read this because sometimes we feel like we've aged out of things. In chapter 7 excuse me, four, chapter 14, verse 7, I was, this is uh, Joshua speaking, I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And he's speaking of in Numbers uh, chapter 13 when the 12 spies were sent out and 10 came back with a horrible report. And Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. Uh, and I brought back word to him, Moses, as it was in my heart. In verse 10, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. Glory to God. Yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in, meaning I'm, I'm, I'm as tough as I was 45 years ago, and I can be just as successful at this, at this, as this war for the kingdom of God. So in spite of what you might feel like sometimes, I don't care if you wake up every other morning and your nose hairs and your ear hairs are having a fellowship meeting at your cheekbone. You have not aged out according to this scripture. (laughs) 
Sometimes in life, there is a shift. Whether it's a lunch date and a spiritual forensic can see the thumbprint of the enemy. Maybe you feel Satan has thrown everything but the kitchen sink at you. But I tell you, you are here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, in the message translation as we wrap this up. Well, let me get my message translation. Praise the Lord. Might seem a little familiar because we got it within the last three weeks on a Sunday morning. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. No, they'll talk, talk about it for decades. That's one of the things that surprises me in the body of Christ. You know, I consider myself pretty young, so I don't really know that much. You know, it's, I, I just say I'm a little bit ignorant. They kind of make me feel a little bit younger. I don't know. But it's like, but there's things uh, that... I notice that there's one season. If that one season you were successful in lifting up the body of Christ and supporting what, or your family members, then you can count it. You know, there's certain athlete, athletes, you know, they win one race. Their, their careers, they're, they're satisfied. Many athletes, many that don't have the ring, many that didn't get the championship, many that didn't get the victory that they wanted. So, and so it is in life to, be, to know the value of that one and that we have a difference and we can lift it up. There is no afternoon, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Harvest Bible Church in Stockton, California. If you live in the area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can check us out at harvestbibleonline.org for location and times. We hope to see you soon.